Fellow community, welcome to our podcast, episode 93, getting close to the magic 100. I mean, I can't believe we've been doing this for five years, and it is kind of amazing how intense it can be to keep putting content out on a regular basis, and proud to say we haven't missed our every three-week goal since we started back in 2017. And, you know, while you hear my voice most often on this thing, there are a few people that help keep the Philo podcast coming to you in a predictable way, as in every three weeks. First off, Chelsea, you might remember her from episode 62. She's the horsepower behind not only the podcast, but all things Philo, and she is a rock star. There's Julia. She helps to promote the podcast on social media. And Kristen, she manages all kinds of projects, our Philo admin device. Devotional is one of those, plus a bunch of projects for the Philo Conference itself. And then there's Ryan, who basically takes out all the awkward pauses and the ums from this podcast and makes us all sound more intelligent, or at least me more intelligent. If you're new to our podcast, we're here to help you become more effective so that your church is more effective. And we do that through all different kinds of ways, the podcast, cohorts, our book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, and the Philo Conference, which is coming up on May 2nd and 3rd. The whole team here is in full tilt trying to make it happen, and we got a lot of cool stuff coming your way. I know I personally can't wait. I'm ready to do this thing. And there's a lot of new goodies on our website. So if you go to there now, you'd see there's the conference schedule. There's a place that talks about discounted hotels. We even got some breakout faculty up on the website and a couple new goodies. So those are basically on Tuesday morning. You don't normally the the conference starts at about 1230 on Tuesday. Well, on Tuesday morning, before the conference starts, we're starting something we're calling intensives. These are an extended time for a deep dive into different topics taught by some of our amazing partners. And for a small add-on fee, you'll get some great content and some lunch. So, you know, if you come in town on Monday night or you live in town, yeah, why don't you come by a little bit early and get some deep dives and some really amazing content. There's some leadership stuff. There's some, I saw some stuff about the Grand MA. So there's, there's all kinds of different things. You can go to our website to learn more about those. And then we're also expanding on something from last year, which we had a couple things called Lunch and Learn. We had a couple of different events that was a free meal and a chance to hear from some manufacturers about some of their new offerings. And so we're really excited to be expanding that. There's basically almost one in every room kind of a thing. So there's a way for everyone at File to eat lunch for free. So all you got to do is sign up and register for one of those and you'll get a free meal on Wednesday and you'll learn something new. So you can go to philo.org slash events for all the information and to register for these new opportunities for learning and for eating. It'll be great. Now, back in 2019, we took Philo on the road to Anaheim, and it was an amazing time, and, you know, then COVID hit, so we haven't been back since then. But while at Philo Anaheim, I got the chance to meet Peter Wright for the first time, and you probably know him better by his Instagram username, which is Sweet Pete. You know, the guy who's always walking and sending encouraging words to those of us who are doing production in the local church. Uh, Well, we got to sit down, and we had a great conversation. So in the words of Pete, let's go. Pete, how's it going? I'm doing great, Todd. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so a lot of you probably know Pete as Sweet Pete if you're on Instagram and you're always encouraging everybody while you're walking. So that that's what yeah, most I, of you know him for. As most people would say, I'm the crazy guy that walks at night and yells at out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with a giant long beard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so cool. I'm trying to think of the first time we met. We met at a Philo conference. I remember connecting this past year. Have you? Uh, have we met before then? 
So I think the first time that we met probably was on social media because okay. that's right. my networking device and sure. how I usually meet most people. But I think the first time we met in person was Philo Anaheim. Oh, Philo Anaheim. Sure, right, yes. right. Yeah, okay. 2019. Yes, before all the craziness before happened. Before it all uh, shut down. Yes. Yeah, nice. And I know I know Anaheim's not coming back, but I would love to see it. Uh, West Coast stop on the Philo tour. Nice, Anaheim. Yeah, that was a great time. I remember we had the idea for doing it, and we're like, okay, let's try it. And the big question mark we had was, will it feel like Philo? Um, you know, we'll get out there and... You know, what will it feel like? And sort of in the first main session, Chelsea and I sort of looked at each other and were like, yep, this feels like Philo, so we should do yeah, this again. It, it definitely felt like Philo. Also, it was my first Philo, so it okay. definitely felt like Philo to me. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know any different, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. It felt like Philo, except for, like, the weather was nice outside in November, and we had food trucks and yeah. all kinds of great stuff, yeah, which you can't do that in Chicago in November. I got to meet a lot of cool people and uh, network and connect with some people. And I still am friends with people that I met at Philo and Anaheim. So it was yeah. amazing for me. Yeah, that's so cool. And you're, we'll get around to kind of telling your story. But one of the things that I thought about when we were doing Philo Anaheim was that let's do it in a place where everybody can kind of just drive and go and, you know, come to Philo and not necessarily like trying to attract people from all over to come. But then you know, there were so many people that we got hotels and all that just because for someone like you, it's still easier to get to Anaheim than it is to fly to Chicago and, and all that stuff. So correct. It's a it's a six hour six and a half hour drive Oof. from our location here in Elk Grove, California to Anaheim. So that was an easy one, like, hey, we're just gonna drive for six hours and go to Philo and spend the night. Yeah, a lot of people think that California all is like down there, right yeah, on top right, of yeah. each other, <laughs> yeah. and only in Southern California. No, there's other places in California. Yeah, and I have to say, one of my favorite things about Philo Conference is the van ride or just traveling together with people. That normally your experience is just the weekend, you know, rehearsal and the services and kind of that pressure cooker environment. And so I just love that. Hey, we're gonna be in a van for six and a half hours, so just like settle in and. We're going to learn something about each other and we're going to have some inside jokes at the end of this. And yeah, just such a great community building. It's like summer camp. 100%. Yes. Yeah. It's just like summer camp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to call the next Philo uh, conference. Hey, just come to Philo camp. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have a uh, cabins out in the back. We'll just bunk all together. Right. Yeah. Camp Philo. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So let's maybe just talk about what it is you do right now, and then kind okay. of the, your story of how you got to uh, where you are right now. Sure. So whoever's listening to this, at this moment in time, I am <laughs> the production director at Sungrove Church in Elk Grove, California. We're just south of Sacramento. I've been on staff here three and a half, four years. Okay. And I just took on a, another ministry. I'm also the youth director now at our church, and I'm loving <laughs> that. So, yeah, running full-time, two full-time ministries is always fun and exciting. The other question that I think you asked was, how did I get started? How did I get into yeah, where yeah. I'm at right at the moment? It did start for me. It started in high school. I 
took some TV video production classes, got my foot into the door, okay. started working at a television station when I was 17 and worked in television 17 years as a production assistant, technical director, director, camera operator, audio person, graphics person, okay. photojournalist. And then about four years ago, I came over to Sungrove Church to be our production director. Okay. Now at the TV station, were you working at a TV station or? Yes. I worked at three different television stations throughout my career in okay. broadcast news. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I had a friend who was in broadcast news and every now and then, this is probably before I had kids, I would go on my day off, would just go hang out with him and just see, you know, it's so fascinating the way news works. So different from church. And similar, is, but, but different. It's yeah. similar. It's yeah. also, there can be some really long days in, yeah. in news. You can be in the middle of a newscast and breaking news happens and now you're in the seat for the next six to seven hours. Yeah, right, right. Wow. Yeah. What made you make the the jump from broadcast television to working at Sungrove? Yeah, that's a great question. I always kind of put on the on my mind that once I got out of news, I would probably transition into helping out church. I thought that was more like retirement age, sure, okay. uh, kind of a thing. Like, hey, I'll you know maybe go part time at a church, help them out with whatever. Uh, I was in a men's Bible study. Okay with our senior pastor at the time, and he kept on poking me. He's like, hey, when are you going to come work at the church? When are you going to come work at the church? And something happened at the television station. We all have, you know, those bad days, those rough days where we're like, (laughs) I just want to throw my hands, like be done with all of it. I'm done, yeah. And I had one of those days and I go, hey, let's have lunch. (laughs) (laughs) And that that lunch turned into, hey, I think we can make this work. Why don't you just come and work for the church? It'll take some stress off your mind. And I said yes to that. Okay. So there you go. One of the things with that is our senior pastor, this was 2018, had this calling on his heart to have another campus for Sungrove Church. And his thought was, hey, we'll have an online campus instead of building an actual location somewhere else. We'll have an online campus. They had never streamed or broadcast out services. Okay. So I was kind of brought on to, hey, let's let's work on this, see if we can build that up. And then as we all know, 2020 happened. Yeah, excellent timing. <laughs> we were able to pivot immediately mm-hmm. to streaming services and having online campus. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. I suppose you've kind of answered the question already a little bit, just the the similarities between the job you had before and this job, like the I guess, diving right into how do we make a broadcast out of this? Yeah, it was just right up your alley. Yeah, the video side of it, I'm more of a video person than I'm in. uh, I'm an audio or a lighting person. I've I've dabbled a little bit. Sure. But I'm I'm probably not the most (laughs) technical production director that there is. I'm more of a leader of people, a a people person, kind of a networking kind of a, a guy. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Usually if people ask me, what is your like specialty? And I usually say, I know a little about a lot of things, which makes me mediocre at pretty much everything, which makes me a pretty good like leader of production people. Like I, I understand what's going on 
in all the yeah. disciplines to a point, but you know, digging deep, I, I'm you know, I'm your wrong, I'm the wrong person for that. Yeah, I would. I kind of uh, say I, I'm a glorified operator that can lead people in doing what I know and can train them in what I right, know how right. to operate. <laughs> but the behind the scenes systems and all, like how everything works, and hey, if a piece of equipment goes down, you probably don't want to call me to help you <laughs> yeah. fix it. Yeah, I just so I do some freelance production work, and I was just texting with somebody today and they're like, Hey, um, do you want to work this event? We, you can either like call cues and that sort of thing. Or we have another room that needs an LD. I'm like, I'm pretty good at telling an LD what to do, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think I'm the right person to actually figure it out. So yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would be in the same boat. I'd be like, yeah. I, I can produce this. I can production manage this, but I don't put me on a lighting console right at the right. Well, and I think, I mean, you've probably figured this out in your four years there at Sungrove, like in so many ways, that is what a technical director or production director needs to be doing anyway. And I think when you're really good at something, like if you're, if you are crushing, you know, the audio mix every week, it would be really hard to step back and let somebody else take that on. But because you're not super proficient at any one thing, it leaves lots of space for volunteers and people to be involved. 100%. We have on our volunteer team, we probably have someone in every position that is way better than I am when it comes to audio, lighting, switching. Now, every once in a while, we have some people that work in professional right. industries yeah. out and about in production. And they can't always be here and volunteer. So then I step into those kind of roles sure. when, when they're not here. Yeah. Being a, a leader and a pastor to a team of people is probably more the more what we're being called to do in most churches. I mean, there there are some churches that, you know, being a, an expert in one thing, you know, is what's needed. But yeah, I think so many people listening fall into the category of, I need to build a team to do this thing, not just do it all myself. Correct. And I would 100% agree with you is that we're probably leaders and pastors of our volunteers. And that's probably why also the youth director now. <laughs> yeah, we're going like, to get instead, gonna... <laughs> of, instead of you being a pastor of adults, hey, just go be a pastor of students and it'll yeah. be it'll be better. <laughs> One of the things I realized early on was that production volunteers need a leader who understands production, you know, somebody to pastor and lead them that kind of understands what they're about versus just any leader and any pastor because our church was talking about adding a Saturday night service or something like that, or a third service on Sunday or something. So I was like, well, I need somebody to like cast some vision for my team on this. So, hey, senior pastor, why don't you come to our meeting and like cast some vision for us? Because I just had a lot of grumpy people about, you know, Saturday now, are you kidding? And he totally like botched the whole thing. Just he, he did not know how to speak to us because he didn't understand the, you know, kind of what the challenges were. And yeah. I'm like, okay, if he can't do it and he's like the guy up, up front all the time casting vision, you know, somebody else needs to do it for this group and it probably has to be me. Yep, 100%. Yep. Yeah. The person that speaks, even if it's a little bit of tech, is is probably the person that needs to speak to the tech people yeah. and provide that vision and that leadership. And you can get that from your senior pastor or your senior leadership 
but to relay that is probably better to it's kind of like you're the translator yeah yeah for senior leadership to your volunteers for sure yeah yeah and probably vice versa i mean that's uh, one thing we talk about all the time leading up you know how do we explain what's going on here to the senior pastor correct yeah so when i started like noticing you more on social media was this whole 75 day challenge that mxu put on which i love the idea of but you really committed to like i'm doing this i'm going to encourage people I'm going to keep going after the 75 days are done. And just got me thinking this whole idea of living a life, you know, on purpose and with intentionality. And I would just love to maybe talk about your journey through that and maybe what the rest of us can learn from it. Yeah, I originally connected with that MXU 75-day challenge because my 10-year anniversary was coming up in June, and I knew that I had at least 75 days, if not more, to my anniversary, and I wanted to get in a healthier state of mind, in shape, all of that. Just, you know, when when you've been married and you get comfortable and you allow stress and pounds to add on to your waistline, and I wanted to see some of that go off. So I really connected with that part of it, that someone else built the plan and I could stick to the plan. Sure, okay. If I can just follow directions, I can stick to this. Yeah. It also was, I found out that walking, even if it was 15 minutes, and then it like it progressed, but if you just walk for 15 minutes, listen to some good music, it kind of melts the stress away yeah, of okay. your day just a little bit. It's kind of like when you hey, I'm going to take five minutes to read this passage of scripture and kind of like just think about it. Yeah, It kind of just takes the stress of your day away. So I really loved that. Uh, The reason why I kept on doing the, hey, this is day one, this is day 50, this is day whatever, it was more to keep myself accountable to the community. Because I I knew that the community was going to be watching and looking and seeing and all that. So it held me accountable. And a lot of the encouragement was I needed to tell myself this. And if it helps someone else out, 100% like this is amazing. If it helps someone else out. And Todd, I, I can't tell you enough how much it helped me just to hear my own words saying, hey, it's okay, just keep going, just walk a little bit more, Mm. do this a little bit more. Hey, remember that you are a child of God, you are not what you do, all of that. But the amount of people that would message me and say, thank you, thank you Mm. for saying that, think I needed that today. And now I have people that message me and go, hey man, I was just thinking about you, you're gonna crush it today. I had a, a buddy on Sunday sent me that and it was it was literally just like hey i was thinking of you you're gonna crush it today yeah and i messaged it back and i go you don't know how much that means to me Mm. right at the moment because you sometimes we get into our heads yeah yeah and we feel like we're very inadequate sure and we're not important and what we do doesn't matter and just having someone that has no idea what's going on in your life just message you and say it's okay you're gonna crush it today yeah is a is a huge thing. When you think about the times you've gotten a, you know, just a random text message from somebody saying those things and how timely they seem to be. And I mean, I, I really 
believe that the Holy Spirit puts people in our minds and hearts and that's not a an accident. And yeah. I've tried to get in the habit of, if I think of somebody, I'm texting them. Like, I don't know what's going on. I just wanted you to know I thought of you, said a little prayer for you, hope everything's great. And that's yeah. it. And I just think God's timing is so right on time. And ah, I think maybe it feels a little bit, uh, you know, unexplainable and mysterious and, you know, but I love the chance to encourage someone and I don't do it all the time. And sometimes I feel weird about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, like this person doesn't want to get this creepy text message from me. But yeah, I just try to make myself do it because I know how much I appreciate getting something like that. Yeah, it has really changed kind of my focus. And again, the encouraging thought of the day, because we all stumble. And I, I kind of want to address this. So I did it where I did every single day. So I, I, yeah. I said the day and then I did the encouraging thought and then the little tagline after it. And I won't forget this. And I, I felt embarrassed and I felt like I let people down. There was a day where... I was like, hey, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit down on the couch for just a second and I'll go I'm gonna go do my walk in about an hour and everything. And I fell asleep and I woke up and it was eleven fifty-eight at night. And I hadn't done my walk <laughs> and I hadn't done my like story, my video. Uh -huh. And I was like, I was more mad at myself that I let myself down. Okay. Because I knew that I should have just gone for my walk before I sat down on the couch. Right. But I right. didn't. And so that ruined that streak. And also, it's okay. It's okay to fail. Yeah. It's how you get back up and how you keep on going for sure. after that. And so I changed it from, hey, this is the day to, hey, well, this is just the encouraging thought of the day. Yeah. 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 I think there's so many things in my own life that I choose not to do because I might fail at them or I, you know, I don't know if I can keep it up or whatever, but th yeah, to your point, are you a better person for having done this and missed one day and the encouragement that you've been able to be to other people versus had you just said, well, I might miss a day, so I'm just not going to do it. Oh yeah. 100% is it's okay to, it's okay to stumble. It's how you get back up and keep on going and how can you be an encouragement the next day? Yeah, yeah. How did you come up with your uh, like encouraging thought for the day? Were you just like always thinking about what is it going to be today or do you have a spreadsheet? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a great question. I'm a risk taker there, Todd. Okay. So we get <laughs> no out on we get out on the walk and we we either start thinking about an encouraging thought of the day or it's something that maybe in the earlier part of the day that came up where I'm like, ah, man, I just need to pump myself up for this or I got low because of this happened to me or, hey, I'm just having a great time. Like a buddy and I went out to dinner after band practice and I was like, hey, I'm just going to do my encouraging thought of the day here and just say, hey, find yourself some supportive friends. Yeah, yeah. So I don't have a spreadsheet. I, I'm not that guy. I'm not a spreadsheet guy. Yeah. Going back to, hey, I'm, I'm a not a techie production director. Yeah. I, I don't have spreadsheets. There's no yeah. Excel spreadsheet on, hey, today we're going to talk about this part of encouragement. <laughs> Usually once I get onto my walk, I'll start thinking about it or I'll hit record and what comes out 
comes out and uh-huh. and if I don't like it, then I'll I'll do it one more other time. Sure, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. I mean, sometimes, yeah, that's the way to go. I think I could get myself all worked up, you know, not having all 75 days planned out in a spreadsheet, and I'm not sure I could wing it like that, but uh, yeah, so great <laughs> that you yeah. did it anyway. <laughs> so I got a, this unrelated question. How long have you been growing your beard? Oh, that is a great question. As of right now, so can I can I throw out what day we're recording this? Sure, yeah, yeah. We're recording this on November 4th, twenty. 20- 22. 22, yeah. yeah. So it's been seven years and four days as of this recording. Seven years and four days. So the the very end of your beard, is. have you had it trimmed a couple of times or is that, is that seven have, years old? No, I've uh, I've had it trimmed. Uh, I have a barber. I go in once, you know, once every month and a half, two months. And sure. We get a little bit of a trim, shape it, make sure it all looks, you know, okay. Sure, yeah. And what got you started growing the beard? Uh, I definitely did. Uh, I had some buddies that did No Shave November. Sure, okay. And that started. And then when I was uh, working in television, I usually never made it through the whole month of November. Okay, would start driving then, you crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, something would happen. Someone would have a wedding. We'd have to go do something. There was something that always uh, came up. And then one year I was like, hey, I think this was in 2014. I was like, hey, I'm just going to let it grow. I'm going to go the whole month and then we'll see how it goes. And it looked okay. It went decent. And then I had a buddy who got married in 2014 in like March. And he also had a beard. And so I I wanted to shave it for his wedding so that he could be the guy with the beard and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So I, I shaved it and I immediately regretted it. And I looked at my wife and I go, uh, I think the beard's coming back. Uh, yeah. So when we got to the next November, I said, I'm just going to grow it. Okay. Yeah. At Philo, we have this thing that we're doing called Philo Cohorts. So it's like a, yeah. a small group for tech people via Zoom. And so the very first one we did was in 2020. There was one female and nine dudes in the group, 10 dudes, including me. And every guy had facial hair except for me. And so week after week, they just like would not let me, it was a topic of conversation. Like you will grow a beard. And so, yeah, I gave it a try, but I think I lasted maybe six weeks or something. And then I just, it was too much. Todd, I, I think you look great in a beard. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I thought it looked decent. My wife hated it. Uh, which is a good enough reason to cut it off. And it was like the, all the, you know, it was like in that moment of, you know, super itchy and yeah. Yeah. When so. you're in the scratchy mode, you definitely want to shave every day. Yeah. And yes, when it's in that mode, also your wife is like, no, it, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel great when, when I give you a kiss, anything like that. It just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Once you, know you grow it for a while, it gets a little softer. Now I'm curious about the. I'm coming back to now the the youth pastor part of your job. Sure. Yeah. We. Yeah. As a tech person, I think it's real easy to feel like you know nobody gets my world and I'm all alone here and it's easy to be woe is me and yeah. It took me a long time to get to the point where I bet you everybody feels this way in their own way. You know, before you became the youth pastor, did you have any preconceived ideas of like what the youth pastor was dealing with or you know, how you you were interacting with that person that you're just like, come on, man, 
And then now that you're in it, you're like, oh, I wish I had more grace and mercy for that person. That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. And I don't have a great answer for that okay. because the reason why I don't have a great answer for that is I've been serving in youth for about six years. Okay. Before taking on this position, I've always, uh, when I got hired, I also, part of my job was youth staff. So okay. like a, um, like an assistant or like a, uh, yeah, an assistant to youth. Okay. Since I've been here at Sun Grove and then I took over the, the lead position just a couple months ago. I would say I personally have a heart for students. Okay. And I want to see our uh, ministry grow. I want to see our students really get connected with God and have that life-changing experience. When I say that is us in the technical field, what you do on a Sunday morning for, let's call it big church. Sure. Our students need the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when our students are in their in their youth group and doing a Wednesday night or anything like that, they want to have similar experiences that we're trying to provide for our Sunday morning services. Mm-hmm on their Wednesday nights or their Thursday nights or their Tuesday nights. Yeah. So that's how I look at it. No matter if you're working with a worship pastor, your senior leadership, the youth person, being able to talk someone else's language, I think is very key. Yeah. So, hey, I want to help you with this. Let's try it this way. I think in production, we get labeled as no people. For sure. Really quick. Yeah. Let's flip that. Let's say, hey, yes, we can do this. This is what it takes. Yeah, yeah. I think just letting someone know the manpower behind what you want to do, what it takes technically yeah. to pull something off is how you need to interact with, it doesn't matter if it's the worship pastor, the youth pastor, the senior leadership in your church. I think that's just a better foot forward in all those instances. For sure. As a tech person, nobody understands my world. The senior pastor probably even wonders, what do you do all day? Never see at your desk. You know, it's like, I'm under no illusions. Nobody knows what I do or what it takes. Yeah. I'm living in that space. And then to have a senior leader come to me with an idea that involves technology. And is it any wonder that they don't really know what they're asking for or that they don't know how to ask for it? Because we've already proven they don't understand it. And so why would my first knee-jerk reaction be no? Instead of telling myself, oh, this person really doesn't know what they're asking. Let's talk about it some more. You know, it's like such a better way. I mean, it took me years to get to that point. But like, oh, this goes so much better if we're just like, well, maybe explain to me what you're wanting to have happen. Like, what is the goal? And then we'll figure out how to do it technically instead of you telling me technically how you think this should happen. I have a person that is on our team that when we talk about anything that we're going to do big or small for an event for this is a production person, they go out with, hey, how do you want it to feel? When someone walks in, how do you want it to feel? And when they leave, what do you want them? How do you want them to leave the event? Yeah. Because once you know how someone wants someone to feel or what they want to get out of it, then you can go, oh, I understand that you want it to be loud and bright and hazy. 
for a yeah. youth event. I get it. Okay, we're gonna. That's how we're gonna program our lighting, and that's how we're gonna do our audio. Or if you go, hey, I just want to have like a like a family dinner. Yeah. Okay, we don't need as much haze, and we don't need as like it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, need you still do bright. need haze, just maybe not yes, as much. Yes, you do. Yeah, all right? all yeah. the haze, <laughs> as someone would say, more haze, more praise. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> when I think back about the season in, in my life, when I said no a lot, I also didn't want to let anybody down. So it's way easier. I mean, it goes back a little bit to the like. If I miss a day in the you know seventy five day challenge, I just ra- yeah. let's just not don't even do it because I might fail. And I think there's a lot more grace for failure if we're trying and if we're saying yes more often. 100%. When, it, when, it, when you're talking about failure, I thought of a, another thing is, hey, when you fail, just own it. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. easier to own it on the front end than to say, oh, well, it was this and what it was that. And it's just like, just own it, rip off the Band-Aid really fast and everyone yeah. will move on. Yeah. Sometimes they won't even remember it if you just say, "Oh yeah, that was that was on me. Sorry. We'll we'll fix it." Yeah. Even up front, you know, if somebody has an idea to say, "Hey, I've never done this before. I have an idea of how we can get it done. It might not work. You know, are we okay to give it a try?" Oh yeah, let's try yeah. it. And then if it doesn't work, or like, you know, we're all learning together instead of it being like, "I said yes, now I better pull this off," just like I said, instead of that being honest, like never done this might not work. Yeah. And how does it feel when you say, hey, no, we can't do that. And they go, well, try. And you go, <laughs> ah, it's not going to work. And then you pull it off. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not a yeah. great feeling. Yeah. I had a boss uh, years and years ago tell me, you got to stop doing that. Like you can't say no and then do it anyway. Yeah. Bad choice. Yeah. <laughs> So are you still doing the uh, the everyday challenge? Are you still encouraging? I am still encouraging. I try to walk at least a mile a day. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But I always try to get that encouraging thought of the day. Or mm-hmm. if I can just go for a, a 10 to 15-minute walk a day, yeah. it, really, it really just de-stresses yeah. and clears my mind. It also... I'll tell you, when you're trying to think of something or try to solve a problem in tech or come up with an idea that you want to do, if you go for a walk, put in your favorite, you know, worship album yeah, and just kind of clear your head and just say, hey, God, what do you want me to know? What are you trying to do in this situation? Hmm. I would say nine out of 10 times, probably 9.5 out of 10 times, God gives you a very clear answer. Yeah. It's so easy. I mean, I do this even now that you get so busy, so buried in responding to emails or maybe not you doing spreadsheets, but you know, some people doing, you know, overdoing the spreadsheets or whatever, that the to-do list is so long. Like I can't step away from this, but I think the value of stepping away and clearing your mind and doing something totally different for 10 or 15 minutes, I think is so valuable to just how well you can do your job. I mean, I I think you're probably a better person in not just your job, but in life because you take 15 minutes for something completely different every day. Yeah, and also the people around you will, once you do it and you keep doing it and you're consistent in doing it, people will ask you about it and go, hey, have you... They'll see your you change mm, through yeah. it, 
and they'll go, hey, have you taken your 15-minute walk today? And you'll be like, I <laughs> hey, have Hey, Pete, it. I think it's time for your 15-minute walk. <laughs> yeah, exactly, 100%. The, the other story that I was going to say, and I think this alludes to, it could be a 15-minute walk. It could be just reading. It could be just, hey, I need to take a 20-minute nap to clear your head, mm-hmm. or, hey, I need to go eat. I heard a, an analogy, and it talked about these two lumberjacks go out in the forest, and they start at the exact same time. And one works the whole eight hours, just chopping wood, chopping sure. wood, chopping wood. And the other guy, about middle of the day, he leaves for an hour, okay. and then he comes back, and they chop the same amount of wood, but he left for an hour and stopped. And for the other lumberjack, he's like, you took an hour break and you're still chopping the same yeah. amount of wood. He goes, what are you doing in that hour that you leave? And the guy goes, I go home and sharpen my axe. <laughs> and sometimes just taking a break from what yes, like yes. just chopping and chopping and going and going and going, taking a break from that can sharpen you Yeah, and you can get the same amount of work done. In that same, uh, in that time, I, I love that. I mean, I think it's so it's so easy to get caught in the trap of I'm just going to push through and keep working. Yeah, and your yeah your axe is getting more and more dull by the minute. Yeah. Yep. I heard another person talk about this. They used the word halt. Okay. When you're getting into a grind, and it's like, hey, are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Or are you tired? Because all of those things will affect you in a different way. Right, right. But also not make you the best person that God has asked you to be. Right. The analogy of the lumberjacks, like they're getting the same amount of work done, but one's sharpening his axe. I, I think God wants us to be at life for the long haul. And I would imagine that burnout was never like part of his grand scheme of things plan, but it happens to us. I would think he would prefer us to be at it over the long haul. And that comes from taking breaks and sharpening yourself, whether that's walking, whether it's having a hobby, whether it's spending time with your kids or coaching a little league team or whatever it is that if you're just doing the one thing all the time, yeah, you're just, your ax is going to get dull big time. Yeah. And with that analogy, that doesn't tell you if you're sharpening your axe before or after you're working. Mm-hmm. But if you don't sharpen your axe at all, not only is it dull today, it's dull tomorrow. Right. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse the more times you go, uh, the more days you go without right. sharpening that. Yeah. And I think too, it's, I'll put myself in the workaholic category that I tend toward that, that, it feels weird to take a break. I was just in Colorado a couple of weeks ago for work, and then I stayed a couple extra nights, and I got an Airbnb up in the mountains, and the only goal was I'm going to think about and contemplate and write things down about stuff that's above the like the urgent everyday, what do I want my life to be like in a year, and you know, just those bigger questions, and I have to say the first couple hours of being in this little place, I was like, what am I going to do for all this time? This feels like a total waste of time. And I'm not sure how I'm going to fill it all. And so, the, but then by the end of, you know, the second day, I'm like, 
I could probably use a fourth day, you know, <laughs> but I think we're, we just get so used to the hamster wheel we're living on. We can't, we have a hard time knowing what to do with ourselves outside of that hamster wheel. Yeah. It also goes back to like, hey, when you're taking a break, when you're taking a vacation, don't go do something that you already currently do yeah, yeah. on that vacation. <laughs> it needs to be rest. You have to take rest. And I am the worst, uh, like you, Todd, I am a workaholic. I will, I have some people that message me and they go, hey, I saw that you posted about your, you know, <laughs> your rings on your Apple watch. And they go, were you really up for 18 hours that uh, that day? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. And what you didn't <laughs> yeah. see is the day after that, I was up for 24. Yeah. So <laughs> it is, for some people, it's really hard just to, not do anything my my ideal vacation is to go to disneyland for three days in a row go hard and then come back to work my Uh wife's idea of vacation is hey let's go to anaheim but let's go sit on the beach for three days yeah yeah (laughs) and just rest and for some of us we just we just need to sit on a beach yeah 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 i think a really important part of this is that everybody's different like what you need to rest and fill up and escape from the complexities of your job is different than what I need to do, what your wife yeah. needs to do. And so I know for me, I the, when I first started having a team of staff people that I was responsible for, I would be kind of on people's cases all the time. Go home. You should go home to your family. Go see your wife. Yeah, I just realized that after a while, I could create a culture where we know that it's important for us to live, you know, balanced lives and and making sure we're taking care of ourselves, but I also can't make anybody. And so just the realization that what works for you doesn't work for me and that's fine. Yeah, I agree with that. What works for me doesn't work for everyone else and it sometimes doesn't even work for our families. Right, yeah. The one thing I was going to say is a healthy leader equals a healthy team. Yep. Yes. So you you do have to focus on your health so that you can have a healthy team that's around you and supportive and that you can be supportive of them also. What is somebody said it speed of the leader, speed of the team? I mean, it's true. Yeah. And we also talk about like, hey, if you want to go somewhere really fast, go alone. Yeah, yeah. If you want to go really far, go with the team. Yeah. That's a good uh, good place to end. Yeah. <laughs> a good good statement. Yeah, this has been great. I, I really enjoyed our conversation, and I have a few ideas for another one down the road. I love chatting with you. I love this. This was a lot of fun. I think I have to say this one thing. Okay. For everyone that's listening, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter where you are mentally, spiritually, physically, wherever you are, you got this. We got this. Let's go. Yeah, love it. I really resonated with what Pete was saying about walking 15 minutes. You know, just to have a space to clear your head and to not be distracted by all the notifications like on your phone or computer. It's so important. And this morning when I took out the garbage early this morning, I was amazed at how quiet it was. And it really struck me. I really missed that level of quiet. And when the weather's warmer, usually I run outside and I try not to listen to anything. I just have space for my mind to wander. 
And hopefully I'm not just thinking about how much I don't really love the running, but just a chance to think and have open space. You know, when I'm not able to do it, I don't think I'm really at my best. And so it was just a good reminder to hear, you know, Pete's perspective on that. And I mean, I guess if you live in California, you can probably exercise outside more than, say, if you live in Chicago in February. Anyway, I also love Pete talking about how important it was for him to hear himself saying the encouraging words on his Instagram post. You know, the power of words is something that we often forget. And I really appreciate his perspective and to be reminded that we all need to be encouraged, even if we have to do it ourselves, which I think as tech people is probably a lot more up to us than we think it should be. But just a great reminder. Thanks so much, Pete, for being on the podcast and just being encouraging. All right, so don't forget to check out all the new stuff we're doing at Philo this year on May 2nd and 3rd at Willow Creek Church in the Chicagoland area. We really want to help you become more effective, as I said earlier, so that your church can become more effective. And so there's a lot of great content here on this podcast. Listen to some old episodes. You could pick up our book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas. It's like got a lot of little snippets to help you become a better version of yourself or uh, sign up for the conference. It's a great chance to connect with others, to learn some new skills, and hopefully be inspired that what you do matters. We'd love your feedback on all the stuff we've got going on. And so if there's any way we can serve you better, please let us know. Send us an email to philopodcast at philo.org or shoot us a DM on Instagram or Facebook at philo community or on Twitter, it's at philo conference. All right, thanks for joining us and see you on episode 94. 